welcome to The Reading Ramble. On this episode, you're going to hear a recent interview that we recorded with award-winning author Willie Vloughton. Willie is the author of a number of novels, such as The Motel Life, Northline, Lean on Pete, The Free, Don't Skip Out on Me, and his newly released story, The Night Always Comes. As well as writing successful novels, Willie has also released music with his bands Richmond Fontaine and The Delines. Willie was kind enough to join us for a conversation a few weeks ago where we discussed his new novel, The Night Always Comes, as well as a number of other subjects such as the differences between writing novels and writing songs, how empathy with his characters helps him put them through difficult situations and what his major writing influences are. It was a thrill to be able to talk to an author as brilliant as Willie and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for the introduction, Rod. <laughs> it's good to be speaking to you uh, across the world. I mean, it's crazy. The technology, I mean, it's 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 a savior and it's going to kill us and it's, <laughs> it's pressing and amazing all at the same time. Yeah. Um, so should we start uh, by talking about your new book, uh, The Night Always Comes? Could you tell us a bit about the book? Yeah, it's um, a, a book about a, a, a 30-year-old woman and her mother, her 57-year-old mother, and they have a, uh, uh, Lynette is the main character's name, and she has a brother who's 32 years old who's developmentally disabled, and and they're they get a chance to buy their their kind of really run down house near uh, next to a freeway in Portland, Oregon. They get a chance to to, to buy it. Their landlord is going to sell it to them, and um and it's kind of like a, a story of gentrification. Uh, Portland and like so many cities in the West of the United States, all over the United States, um, uh, are exploding. Uh, you know, housing prices in Portland alone have quadrupled in the last 20 years and wages have only doubled. So it's kind of a story about a, a really struggling family kind of that are barely getting by to begin with. And now they are thrown into a city that's uh, rapidly gentrifying. And so it's kind of the, a struggle where Lynette, the 30 year old woman is trying to convince her mother to buy that, buy the house and the mother can get a loan and, but Lynette has the money. And so they have to pair up together, but they don't get along. And um, so the novel kind of explores um, gentrification and struggling family and mental illness, all kind of wrapped into two days and two nights. So it's pretty intense. It's a pretty intense ride. So for much of your career as an author, you've been writing um, a, a writing, recording and touring musician. Has the last 12, 18 months of not been able to get out there and do that uh, given you a different kind of focus on your work as a novelist? Has it given you more time or? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I hate to admit it because so many people, especially musicians, are getting so beat up uh, because of COVID. And, um, you know, the thing I always think about is musicians often have second careers working in restaurants or bartenders or Uber drivers, uh, that sort of thing. And all, all of those have taken a huge hit. So uh, musicians can't tour, they can't get their jobs at restaurants because the restaurants are down. Um, so it's been rough. Uh, for me, say, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit, personally, it's been really fun because um, I can just write, you know? Usually I'll start a project, you know, I might write a couple months on it and then I have to stop and go on the road and I have to switch gears and start thinking like a musician. And, you know, we're a small time band. So, you know, everybody has to do everything. So, you know, you spend a lot of time 
booking not booking it but like getting ready for it and doing the mundane stuff of it and um and then you go tour and then you come back a little shattered and tired and then you, you pick up on your writing project again you give it another couple months or month and then you're back to stopping again um you know i can't ride on the road because uh, i like you know i usually room with two other guys and they snore all night you know <laughs> so uh so it's been really nice you know i just i, I started a novel and, and finished the first draft of it you know, I got a new dog and I got to, you know, uh, spend a whole year with my dog. And I got to see both spring and fall in in Oregon, which is breathtaking. And I you know, usually I'm on the road for most of the spring and fall. And so it's been really nice. You know, it's been really nice. And and my wife, even she still kind of likes me because uh, I'm, you know, and that's always a worry, you know, if you come home too much. So anyway, yeah, things have been all right since I've been home. So I was, I was going to ask you about routines for writing. You, you mentioned that... Um you can't really write on the road through various reasons um do you have a similar kind of routine or uh, method when you're writing songs and books is, is it a similar process for you or do you need to is it very separate really writing takes so long it's just like it just takes hours to be honest if you said i could have any vacation in the world right now uh, it would just be to be you know you could put me anywhere you know, somewhere kind of nice, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, bar tab, not a bar tab, no bar tab, because we don't want that. We want like a, you know, a good restaurant down the street. Yeah. Um, just a motel and the time to write would be my dream. So I like doing it. Um, I guess that's my long winded way of saying that. Uh, um, and writing, you just have to do it every day just because it takes so long. Um, life gets in the way, you know, everything gets in the way. Um, so. I love the the grind of writing novels. I like getting up every day and doing it if I can. If if something's not pulling me away from it, it's my favorite thing to do. Writing songs, on the other hand, though, is uh, I mean, it's just kind of mysterious. I just don't understand where melody comes from. <laughs> I don't understand why some people like one song but they don't like the other. Um, it's all a mystery to me, you know, and every time I write a song that I think is at least decent, I'm, I'm relieved and I forget who said this, but, but, but I feel the same, which is sometimes you, the only way to write a good song is like, you just kind of run into it walking down the street and you say, Oh, did I just stumble into a good song? And then you, you hold on to it and, and with your life and say, please let me finish it and, and get to hang on to this one. I don't know where they come from. Every time I write a, a decent one, I feel like I just dodged a bullet or I got a gift. It's like I found 50 bucks on the ground, and uh, uh, but I don't know where they come from. Uh, so with writing, at least you're digging a, writing fiction, writing novels, like digging a ditch where you don't know where the ditch is going exactly. So it's, it's a lot of just kind of grunt work, but I'm more of a workhorse grunt kind of guy. So at least, you know, with writing, you have to get you have to get the guy from uh, from you know from the garage to a grocery store. Say, yeah. I mean, that's your job that day, and I can do that. Where songs, you're like, where do where do I find a beautiful melody? I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> uh, the other thing, I guess, is just when I'm when I'm feeling beat up or uh, things aren't going my way or I've gotten bad news. Uh, or I've just been not good to myself uh, is probably when I'll write songs. So I always write songs. My songs are always seemingly sad, and, and it's usually because I just 
that's how I've always written and from that side of me. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, if I look, I always say the same thing, but it's true. If I, if I look like I've been sleeping under a car, then, uh, you know, I'm writing a song. And if, if you say, if, if I wave to you, Robin down the street and I pass you and I'm jogging, then you'll go, man, he's probably working on a book. <laughs> you know, a good yeah. Cause writing, you just, uh, Writing is, you know, I'm not sm that smart, so I have to be really good to myself when I'm writing. Like, I really <laughs> take care of myself when I'm working on a novel. So we've mentioned as well as writing novels, you also write a lot of music, firstly with Richmond Fontaine and then more recently with The Delines. Was writing novels always sort of something that you wanted to do or was there... Was there something not there in writing songs that made that turned you to writing novels? That one, the second, probably. You know, I, I think uh, I loved novels as a kid, uh, but I always thought you had to be brilliant to write novels, or you had to had have had a magical life, or an adventurous life, or a heroic life. I thought you know if you were. If you write, if you and your dad robbed banks as a kid, then you could write novels. Or if you were a really tough guy and were in the military and got, you know, imprisoned and then escaped, then you could write novels. Or if you were brilliant. Um, oh, um, in me, I was none of those things. I was just kind of a, a really, almost clinically shy kid who lived with his brother and his mother, and nothing really remarkable happened. And um, I just liked, I didn't like where I lived and I wanted to disappear. Um, and so I got, songs became my way of disappearing. And so from an early age, maybe 10, 11, I obsessed about songs. And it wasn't so much being a rock star or, or you know, having a private jet. It was just like, how do I disappear into this song? You find a, a song, say like early Springsteen would do this where he would create this world for you and you could just disappear into this world. So for three minutes or five minutes, you were somewhere else. And, and I loved it and I got obsessed with it. Um, and it wasn't until I was 17, 18 that I needed to disappear longer. And, and like I said earlier, songs are so tricky to get right and you can't disappear into them for that long that I just started writing it. I sat down one day and said, I wanna live in this world and I started writing about that world and I'd never written before and I didn't think I, I could or deserved to, uh, but I didn't tell anybody either. And I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And then then later on, I read Raymond Carver, who uh, uh, wrote about failed men and men kind of like the way I felt or the men I understood, I guess, to a degree. Uh, and then I said, oh, if you could write about men that don't do anything, the men that kind of drag the family down, men that abandon, men that uh, drink too much, uh, men that lose their jobs, men that uh, aren't that nice to their wives. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I understand those men. And if you can write about them, I got those stories. And and so after that, I just, I wrote novels uh, just for, for fun for years and years without showing anybody. So is there a stash of Willie Flouting novels that haven't seen the light of day then? Yes, and you don't want to see. <laughs> Everyone's, there's only one. I, I think I wrote four or five before the Motel Life, okay, and, um, uh, which was my first published novel. Uh, um, 
I think only one of them I would kind of revisit once in a while um, because it, it's sentimental and I love the story yeah. idea of it, but it's just not very good. And so <laughs> I don't look back very often, you know, in life. If I look back too much, I, I start going down. Uh, if I look at my old books, I start thinking about how bad I am at it. And if I look back at my life, I start thinking about all the mistakes I've made and I get, the guilt gets me and the uh, darkness gets me. So I just kind of keep running forward and, and try not to look back. So those novels will stay hidden. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw recently that you were quoted on the back of the new novel by Will Johnson, uh, If All When I Call. Um, is there something, do you think, about that kind of genre of um, literate American music? Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Americana, I guess it would be called. Um, do you think there's something about songwriters in that genre that lends itself to writing um, more long-form stories, or do you think that's just a sort of coincidental? Kind of... Well, I think for Will Johnson, that guy's just kind of a flat-out genius, you know, and I think he's he he can, you know, I think he could write a, a good record a month, pretty much. Maybe give him three months. He could probably write a really good record every three months. So for him, I think it's just, it's, it's a natural progression. I mean, he's also paints. I mean, he's just, he's just a really talented artistic dude. Uh, but I think in general, so much of our generations and before us maybe even um, grew up on rock and roll. And I think rock and roll steals a lot of potential novelists. Um, you know, I, I would, I would guess like if, 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 if Will Johnson was born in the twenties, he'd probably been a novelist, you know, or the thirties. Because uh, he's got that brain for it, and uh, and I think he's a good novelist. Uh, but but rock and roll steals a lot of them because rock and roll is easier and more fun, and you get to be with your buddies, and you get to travel around, and you get free dinner and free drinks, and uh, you might get a date out of it, you know. Uh, um, where writing is just by yourself. Uh, so I don't know how many real musicians like sitting by themselves in a room all day. I think that the thing that gets musicians to not write novels is isolation yeah. and it's a grind. It's like, it's like punching in and, and, and digging it. Like I said earlier, digging a ditch. It really is like that. I like, I've always liked that. And I'm the opposite. I think I, I, I was meant to be a novelist and not a musician, uh, but I just didn't know I could be. And now that I've, I've always been in bands, you know, and I've always written songs since I was a little kid. Um, but my temperament is way more suited for it. But in general, I, I think musicians uh, kind of get scared after maybe they write. We'll see if Will Johnson does another one, because I think it's a, it's a tough thing to want to sit in a room by yourself. You either you either have that in you or you, or you don't. And, uh, and and musicians, you know, they're, they're social creatures often. And uh, and uh, it's just they're two different forms. But but often the best not the best musicians that would be novelists are, are storyteller obviously uh, musicians so you know folk americana kind of writers make sense to write novels and i think as you get old too you you stop wanting to tour so much and, and you start thinking more about stories uh, not just songs um, so your your writing style, um, you, you've mentioned that you've you read the works of Carver and people like that. And would you say that those are your your sort of primary influences as a writer, um, or are there other genres that you look to and take inspiration from? I mean, I always like the working class stories. That's true. Uh, uh, 
Carver was really important because he wrote about the kind of guys I said earlier that I didn't know you could write about. And he, he wrote about not dramatic failure or he didn't write about like Bukowski. He didn't write romantic failure. Uh, or like nihilist failure. He just wrote about failing um, yeah. and trying not to. And I understood that. But uh, so I was like, like serious literary fiction that kind of zoned in on the working class issues. I, you know, that's what I wanted to write from an early age. And that's what I liked reading. That being said, um, I've always loved noir uh, because noir is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's des desperate people. Uh, making desperate decisions, yeah. uh, usually working class people in, in noir stories. And, um, and I think, uh, I, I think it was uh, Barry Gifford, the, the great American writer who who's re really knows a lot about noir. He just said he, he thinks of noir novels is a uh, psychologically damaged people writing about psychologically damaged people. And that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and I and I really find myself in that sense, <laughs> in that solution. Um, so yeah, noir, noir has always been important. Uh, and then just like working class fiction. Yeah. Like uh, a famous novel from you, from your area, uh, Castro for a Knave, the Barry Hines book. Now that would be something that, I mean, I have that book by my bed. Uh, is 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 kind of a touchstone of like the kind of book I wish I could write if if I was a better writer. Yeah. Um. So one thing I was going to ask you, um, going back to one of your older books, um, when I was when I was thinking when I knew I was going to be speaking to you, I was thinking of some of the questions I was wanted to ask, and um, I was thinking about the free. So it's a book that I I've read several times. I really love the book, um, but there's a part in the book where um the character where it sort of goes into a a dystopian kind of view through one of the character Leroy's mind. Um, at least that might, that's my interpretation. You might be able to uh, sort of correct. Um, your books have always seemed very real to me, uh, featuring very gritty, well-drawn characters who haven't had the best of luck in life. Um, was there a particular reason that you wrote that uh, kind of section of the book? Is, is there something yeah. that you wanted to, to tell? The free is kind of my uh, uh, State of the Union address. It's at that time, it was my take on where America was heading. Okay. And um, what I wanted to say was we got into Afghanistan and Iraq and, and, and for reasons that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And you send a lot of kids over there that don't really understand what's going on and it's our job as a nation not to send our kids into situations like that and what you do is is with leroy he was just a national guard guy he wasn't even a real soldier and he's electrician um and and what i wanted to say was here was a guy that was in love with a woman and and like willie nelson always says the reason there are sad country songs is because 99% of us aren't with the right person. But he was, he was with the right person. He gets shipped to Iraq and he comes back with a brain injury, which they call those wars, the, the wars of brain injuries. So he comes back with a brain injury. And so all of a sudden he has to live in this world that's hell. And, and we, as a nation, put him there. We stole this one guy who had true, you know, gr a great love affair with a woman is now in a group home 
a disabled men's group home suffering. And he lives in a world where America is kind of sadly heading, which is complete polarization. Uh, one side saying you're not a real American, the other side saying like you're a, a fascist um, and they're battling. And so I said, look, this is what this is what war gets you. And this is what we did to a, a guy like this. And 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 sadly, I think, you know, the, that aspect of the book is is kind of uh, is kind of coming true in a, in a in a minor minor way, but you can feel it here. Yeah. Um, so that's why I did that's why I did that um, to to say because usually when a guy has a brain injury, they don't disappear into a beautiful world. They don't disappear into like heaven where there's jazz clubs, Louis Armstrong's playing, and you get free drinks. You know, it's not that. It's like it's down in the basement, below the basement. It's darkness and, and anger and fear, and you have to live there. And I said, well, that's what that's what we did to this kid. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so your audience, your, your, your readers, will often become attached to particular characters in your books, uh, thinking of characters such as Charlie Thompson, Horace Hopper, um, and I'm, I'm going to guess Lynette as well in the new book. Uh, they all um, suffer great hardship and kind of, life-changing experiences challenging experiences do you as the writer of those stories do you find it hard to put them through what they have to go through or are you just detached in a way that you can yeah bring that, that those pains upon them you know it's 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 a weird thing um i find great comfort in being with somebody through a hardship when i'm writing because it takes away the anxiety i have about my own hardships you know like if I got my own, I got my own baggage and weight on my back, right? And then, but when I write about somebody's, it's a little different than mine, and maybe more dramatic or polarized because it's a novel. It takes away all mine. So for while I'm working on the book, my anxieties and pain disappear, and I live in a different world with somebody else's pain. But then I kind of can hold their hand while they're going through it. Maybe I can. Uh, be with them. So no, I'm not detached. I, I'm the opposite. Um, I find great comfort in, in being around those characters because they make me feel less alone. Even if I beat them up, I'm, I feel like it's not me beating them up. It's the world beating them up. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like I, I see them and then, then they start taking off and, and life beats you up. You just, it's just the way it is. You know, you, you, you're born, innocent and you get beat up along the way and you have great things happen and horrible things happen um and and so for me it's always been the same um you know they're they're always kind of beat up people i guess because i am and the second i stop feeling beat up or uh start you know getting more together then i'll be writing stories where everybody's a bit more together uh, but no, I, I, I find great comfort. I think of them like Charlie Thompson and Horace Hopper and Allison Johnson, the kind of main characters. I find them as saints. They kind of, you know, at least I got those saints in my head, you know, with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Reading Ramble. Thank you once again to Willie Vlauten for joining us for this episode. And if you would like to read one of Willie's books, including The Night Always Comes, Head on over to Lancashire Library's catalogue where you'll be able to order them or on Borrowbox where we have a selection available as ebooks. 
if you particularly like listening to Willie talk, he even narrates some of his own novels, which are available as e-audio books, also on BorrowBox. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Reading Ramble. We'll speak to you soon.